Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Tuesday, March fifteenth, and uh, we're still covering NBA basketball, pretty much. I mean, we got, baseball's coming back April seventh. Can't wait for that. It's tired of the late swaps. Yesterday, yesterday we had ton ton of late swap possibilities, but everyone that was in that was could have been out ended up playing. So there wasn't that much late. So maybe the Warriors, right? The Wiggins was out. Then maybe Kuminga, you could play. There was stuff going on, maybe a little bit late. But uh, we'll be talking about that today. We've got a four-game slate later today. Good, uh, five, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock, you're done. Can we have more of those slates, please? Right? I'd rather have more games than four. But but just like I got to sit by my computer for an hour, and then I'm done. I'm done. Right? I want to be done. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Feel free to, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, how, how long this show is going to be, what we're going to talk about. Feel free to post your questions, anything DFS strategy related into the chat. Suki Singh here early as usual. Daniel Hutchings, infamous tough Trey, Richie Smalls, Masher, Matt Mears, Grant Brown. Give me the thumbs up. Give me the thumbs up. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Let's see. Yesterday was like, like Clippers. Everything was revolved around the Clippers yesterday. Right, because everyone was out. Right, Morris Jackson, obviously Kawhi and Paul George. I, I barely remember they're even in the league anymore. But uh, but ever they had like a nine man rotation, and two of them are centers. Uh, so like I played on Fanduel yesterday, so I, I pricing was di- was different on Fan uh, on Fanduel compared to uh, uh, DraftKings. But I, I played like three Clippers in almost every lineup, if, at, at a minimum of two. Right. You had a mere coffee here, here on DraftKings. You had a mere, mere coffee at thirty seven hundred. You had Terrence Mann at five thousand. You had Kennard at forty four hundred. You had B.J. Boston at three thousand. Uh, those those are the main cult. And Batum at forty seven hundred. Uh, so so I, I just played a ton of them on, on FanDuel. Coffee was only thirty nine hundred. Man, man was a little bit more expensive. And also the salary cap on FanDuel isn't as uh, as as tight as it is on DraftKings. So you, you don't necessarily need to play like three cheapies in your lineup and then pay up for like Giannis and whatever in, in, in there anyway. But uh, yeah, but most of my lineups, I had, I had a ton of Amir Coffee, I had plenty of Terrence Mann, who was under-owned on FanDuel. Uh, I mean, the biggest differences between the two sites was like Josh Hart. Like Josh Hart had a great game, but Josh Hart was like, what, he's 8,800, right? He was 8,800 with the Portland guys. Right, Eubanks was fifty six hundred, Brandon Williams is sixty five hundred, Josh Hart was eighty eight hundred, right? Watford sixty seven hundred, but I mean on Fanduel, Eubanks was fifty nine hundred, Williams was five thousand, Trenton Watford was I think the same price sixty seven hundred across, uh, but Josh Hart was sixty five hundred on Fanduel and eighty eight hundred on DraftKings, so way way more way more owned there. Right, Josh Hart put up forty-seven points, which at eighty-eight hundred isn't isn't enough. Right, three and a half percent owned, but uh, on uh, on Fanduel he was like twenty-two percent owned, which I was kind of shocked. Right, at sixty-five hundred uh, in the in the shooting guard small forward position, but uh, but those Clippers, those Clippers were the key. Right, as long, but you need you pretty much you needed man coffee and man were fine. You could get away. With Luke Kennard, I guess. And obviously Zubach did well, but I mean it's not like he was that owned at 6,800. Uh, and then the other key to the slate was uh 
Did you have Carl Anthony Towns, right? If you didn't have Carl Anthony Towns, you ain't, you ain't winning nothing. You ain't, you ain't, I mean, you're winning, you could cash, but you ain't winning first place, right? Same for Trey Young, but it, it, I could see lineups that could come close to the top without Trey Young, but I don't see how you get away from 89.75 points from Cat, right? He had 60 real life points. Let's take a, let's take a look at the first place lineup. Trey Young, DeLon Wright, Coffee, Zubach, Man, so three Clippers. Baisley, who could have had a monster game. He had, like, almost no points in the second half. Like, Baisley could have had 50 points. Then you have Conley, right? Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, so there's a Towns lineup. Here's Towns, Trey Young, right? Petty theft. Trey Young and Towns. Okay, is there? Okay, here's the, here, see, here we go. Here's a not Trey Young lineup. Came in fourth place. Still three Clippers. Deontay Murray, Keldon Johnson, who had himself a game at 6,300. Mike Conley, I mean, he went 9X. Precious Achua, a 3% owned, right? Batum was the key. If he, if we would have traded out Batum for something else, he would have swapped someone, like Murray, Batum, to, well, I mean, to Trey Young and saw anyone else, he would have crushed. But here's a lineup without Trey Young, fourth place. You didn't, you didn't need, need him. I don't know if I could find a non-Cartha Anthony Town lineup up here. Here's another one without, without Trey Young. Here's another Murray line. Very similar to the one before. In fact, it almost looks exactly the same, but it's not. Oh, this one has Canard over Batum, right? Batum scored one about an extra point. There's another Oxen lineup, right? No Trey Young. Got Baisley, Keldon Johnson, Mike Conley, right? I don't know if I'm going to find anything that's not Carl Anthony Towns. Right, he's Dante DiVincenzo. He was a good swap late. Uh, man, Costal, two Clippers. Trey Young, Carl Anthony Towns. Here's two, three Clippers. Two Clippers. Two Clippers. Yeah, if you played, if you played Clippers yesterday, you were good. Right? I don't know about playing B.J. Boston at 31% owned. And also, Anyeka uh, Angonku, 25% owned on DraftKings. Like, like, these are the guys that you didn't have to really play on FanDuel. Because, like I said before, the pricing isn't as tight as DraftKings. But, yeah, playing a 25% owned Angonku on a, on a nine-game slate does not seem, does not seem optimal. Seems over-owned. Same for a three. I know he's min price, but BJ Boston at 3,000, 30% owned. I don't know about that either, but we'll take a look. We'll take a look at some exposures over here. Let me let me pull up some people, right? So your petty theft had zero Boston. Chipotle Attic had zero Boston. And this is the fadeaway in the, on DraftKings. The Colts had 6%. Plenty of people had, I mean... Really, if you take, just take a look at exposure percentages, 31% owned, a lot of these guys had more than that. But it wasn't overwhelming. Amir Coffee was overwhelming. He was 60% owned, and the lowest someone at Whistle had 56. But, I mean, so many, 94, 95, 94, 97, 93, 91, 94, 95 at 3,700. Terrence Mann at 5,000, pretty much across the board. Luke Kennard, pretty much across the board. 
Boston is obviously some some discrepancy here. Baisley, a mix, but for the most part, people had him. Ngankou, see Ngankou, here's a mix. Some people over, some people, you know, petty theft at zero. Ox and duck, 10%. Ship my money, 10%. Jesus good, 14%. Shy on DraftKings. Now a mix, okay, pretty much. He was owned. Fred Van Vliet. Petty theft went 47%. Fred Van Vliet didn't do very well. Maladon. Mick, yeah, you, now you're going to see more mixes. Like Batum. As far as the Clippers, seems across the board that if you're going to, you're going to fade one of the Clippers, it would have been Batum out of the cheaper ones. Uh, let's see. How about Sar? Other than JBC, not really, no one really played him. That not much, if anything. Bogdan Bogdanovich has a mix. You see cheese with 41% and some with zero. Whistle set 28. Here's Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns, 9% owned. I mean, Petty Theft had 57%. Well, that's why he had a lot of lineups towards the top. But other than him, it's not like it was like he's 10% owned, and you see 19, 3, 10, 8, 2. 9, 11, 17, 4, 27, 4, 8, 50. So nothing, nothing overwhelming other than other than petty theft. But he doesn't mind taking stands. Like DeMar DeRozan, he had 40% of who didn't get anywhere at 37 points. That's why I like I like looking through. Let's this is what I do in the morning. Look through. I mean, this is DraftKings, so it's hard, it's hard. I can't judge this based on my fandom play. The pricing is different. The instructions are different. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns on FanDuel yesterday was only like 8% off. Trey Young was 22, I believe, in the Swingman or whatever, the $15 large field. I only lost like 20% last night, which is, that's normal night. That's normal. That's, that's, right, you put $950 worth of entries, you get back like $750. It's like, okay, on to the next day. Daniel Hutchins says the best non-towns lineup was number 60. Okay. Did you win anything yesterday? I saw people congratulate. I saw someone congratulate you on uh, in our in our Discord in the NBA channel. Did Nerdy Tenor win anything? Do we have to look at the high stakes 100k to first? Do we have to look at this? No. RBX88 won this. Where did Nerdy Tenor win? Or, or was it a different sport? Who knows? Courtside special? No. I see ship my money here. Or were you ahead and then just got overtaken late or something? I don't know idea. I just saw someone congratulate you in the Discord. Oh, he won the night slate. Ah, okay. Oh, the late slate. You probably, you, you, oh, you like doing that, right? Because 10 o'clock, there were, there were four games, right? 10, 10, 10, 10, 30. Right, right. He likes playing this. He likes so he doesn't have to stay, stay in touch for the entire time. Right, I don't know. Do you? I mean, sometimes you don't even play the main slate, right? Well, you did this. You did yesterday. So the best non-town lineup was number sixty. Was Embiid, Young, Keldon Johnson, Mike Conley, Terrence Mann, Precious Achua, Coffee, and Delon Wright. Okay. 
But you needed Towns at 9.8%. I mean, when, when someone scores like 90 points, you're going to need him. He was 81, 81 points on FanDuel. Trey Young at 71 on FanDuel. You, you, need, you needed them. You needed them there also. I think the winning score yesterday was like 424 on FanDuel. Something like that. It's hard to it's hard to judge. It's like studying the slate from like using results DB when you play on FanDuel is not is not ideal, to, to, to say the least. There are people that there were. I mean, ownership is going to be dramatically different. Like how many people are playing Anyekio Anyekio whatever on Gonku on FanDuel, a thirty six hundred dollars cent. You didn't need to. You could have just played Capella. I mean, that's what I did. Daniel Hutchins says he did play the main slate because he had no commitments. Yeah, that, that's that's always fun, right? Don't got anything to do. Might as well play, right? But not much changed after a lot. I mean, not much changed. I was waiting. I was waiting for Levine, the Levine ball to drop and the, the Van Vliet not to play and LeBron to sit. And that didn't happen. Made it easy. Didn't have to really do much, but you had to pay attention. I was sitting on my couch, watching watching TV. And I, I get the RG alerts. That's the whole point of them. You could sign up for free. Download the RG, the Roto Grinders app, on your iPhone, iOS, Android, wherever. Download it, and you could set notifications for any any content of ours. Any. So if you want to know when the Slate IQ comes out, if you want to know when the grind down comes out, if you want to know when any piece piece of article or content or anything that we come out with, you could have a notification for that, as well as our news. So when when our news team sees that LeBron, oh, the news came out, LeBron's starting, LeBron's playing, within a minute or two of that news coming out publicly, you'll get an alert. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to scroll through Twitter or wait or ask people or anything. The news just comes to you. So that's what I do. So I sit on the couch and I, I check that when, when I, if I, ding, ding, oh, okay. Zach Levine playing. Oh, okay. And if there's a starting lineup change or something, that, that'll that come also. And I assume that if I don't get, here's the starting lineup that we didn't expect, like that it's expected, that everything is already reflected in the projections as it is. And I don't have to worry about late swap, right? And then you get on with your life, but you still have to pay it. You still have to, you have to be anchored and pay attention. Knowing that there's four games at, at 10, 10 o'clock plus, like oh, I'm, I'm probably gonna go back to my computer at like 9.45 just to make sure everything is, is okie dokie. Cause I know that maybe we get some news in and I need to be, I need to be ready for it. Daniel Hutchins is right. It's much easier to when there's a big gap between groups of games. At least you get a break. Right. But I like it when that there's instead of four late games, there's like one late game or maybe two late games where we get, I want as many seven o'clock games as possible. So if we're going to have like a nine game slate and it's going to include late games, I'd rather it be, I'd rather four games at seven, right? One game at seven 30, right? They throw one, one in at seven 30. Right. Then like two or three at eight o'clock, three at eight o'clock and then one or two at 10. And, that, and, that, and then you're not right. If, if I if I can be done pretty much 
with most of my stuff by eight o'clock Eastern, I'm good. Then fine, have a game or two late and then I could just come back to that. So essentially I could sit down around six o'clock. That's typically about an hour before lock. That's when I start, right? I don't, throughout the entire day, I don't do anything. I don't do, I I look through stats or whatever. No, everything is going to be reflected in the projections, right? It's an hour before lock. Once news, I see, I see the news that comes in, but I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not building lineups or anything until an hour before lock. Then once an hour, an hour before lock, sit down my computer, I fire up everything. I adjust whatever I need to adjust. I put on, I put on crunch time for premium members here, Roto Grinders. And I, and I build lineups, right? Building, you know, I play a hundred lineups on FanDuel. So I'll build, build that. And then seven o'clock comes and it's like, okay, now I got to pay attention. What, what am I paying attention to? Then typically five minutes before each game, I re- reload projections, reload all my information. And do I need to late? So do I need to add anything? Do I need to change anything? Do I need to late swap anything? So if we have all these staggered start times, I'm basically out by computer the entire night. One game at seven, two games at 7.30, one, th- two at eight, one at 8.30, one at nine, two at 10, one at 10.30. Yeah, this is what I get. That, that's why I'm waiting for baseball. Baseball, you don't have to worry about that. Baseball, essentially, you're, you're, the, the, the pet peeve in baseball is that the West Coast teams sometimes don't have a lineup out by lock but maybe shortly after, but we have projected lineups anyway. And it's not a big deal. Oh, if this guy's out there, you got to jam in some other guy. It, it doesn't exist like that in baseball. So what you're really doing is just like, like, oh, you don't have a, who's catching for the angels, right? Cause you have a couple of angel stacks and then it, oh, it's not this guy. It's the other guy. And then you have to swap that. Right. And sometimes you just global replace and just like, I don't care what the pricing is. The, the new catcher is, is cheaper than the old catcher. Okay, global swap and I'm done, right? The second thing with baseball is the, the whole uh, rain situation. Like if there's a la- if there's a later game that there's potential rain out, potential, right? Like let's say there's an 805 game in Minnesota. I don't know if they're going to play. So if you have anything in your, if you have twin stacks, twins players, anyone from that pitchers from that game, like, and you, oh, a game up, game is postponed at like 7.55. So you got 10 minutes. If you had anything in there to get, get them the hell out. Now past 8.05, now you're just assuming risk. Just saying, I hope it plays. It, it starts in a delay. And it, maybe it plays two hours from now. Maybe it gets postponed. But then you, you're dead at that point because it, it's already locked. So that's the, that's the only thing. But a, a lot of the time, uh, if it's iffy enough and the pitch if the pitchers are not if the pitchers are just not worthwhile i just won't even bother with them cuz a lot of times you get mlb slates with this 12 13 games it's not like the opportunity cost is that high and then if i'm going to play some twin if i'm going to play but if they do play the twins have a six run total maybe i do play 10% of my lineups with twin stacks and if it gets if it gets rained out then i just my 10% of my lineups are just dust Right, but I don't put those players in, in in anything other than stacks. So if I'm playing a hundred lineups, that all my twins are are contained to just ten lineups, and I don't have rando guys 
I don't have Max Kepler in, in 16 lineups as a, as a one-off in other stacks. So I don't have, I don't bust all my lineups. So that's not much of a late. So I don't have to late swap much in those scenarios. It's those unexpected. It's those Washington nationals, you know, no rain in the sky and they cancel those types of games. Going through the YouTube chat, but type in anything you want. We, we don't go. I mean, what are we going to go? We can't go over today's slate. What John Morant's out. It seems like I'm assuming. So we have Tyus Jones projected extremely well. That can only mean jaws out. What else can we talk about? It's, the slate is until seven. Uh, Masher says, do you set up your lineups to take advantage of late news? You expect, do you fade early value? As some say, you, it depends on the lineups that you play. That's a matter of risk or of what, what risk reward. You should have. It depends on what it is. Right? It depends on the if oh, if this guy's out, this it I'm I'm much I'm more likely to do so when the value, if it were before lock, would be something that you're gonna jam it to almost all of your lines. Right. So the closer it is to that. So if we're gonna get a guy, if like if this guy's out. This $4,000 player is going to project for like 10x. And if it was before lock, you'd be jamming him into like 90% of your locks. But we don't know that yet because we have something waiting. We don't know if that guy's going to be out. Then I'm more likely to win. More, I'm using terms more likely in lineups. Scenarios where, well, if this guy starts over that guy, his projection goes up one point. Not as much. Don't care as much. Now, the, the, the benefit of the late swap is that you typically, even when even when players do get upgraded a little bit, their ownership typically doesn't come with them. So it's like, it's like free EV. But I don't just like blindly every night. Like we see in like today's late, the Memphis, they started several. So what's happening in the eight o'clock game? I'm not. I'm not saying that anything is happening. Let's see. Who do we have? Okay, we have McCollum is questionable. Okay? So let's use that as an example. McCollum is questionable because he's a worthwhile person to talk about. So we go to the, these New Orleans projections. Where we're, okay, under, under all. Okay? Now, most likely, with him being questionable, if you subscribe to Roto Grinders, which you should do, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. We're going to come out with what-if projections. That's what they're called. So the projections right now, we always project players that are Q-tagged or above. If they're doubtful, we, we, we assume they're not playing. But if they're questionable, we keep them in the projections until they're out, until they're not questionable. And you'll see their tag update. But for these high-value high-impact, uh, questionable players, we will create what-if projections. So if you go to the NBA page on Roto-Grinders, if you're a premium member, just scroll down and find, it's called what-if, what-if projections. And typically on that page, it'll show if someone, so if Joel Embiid is out, this is what the projections would look like. If so-and-so is out. So most likely, we about, you know, maybe two or three o'clock or something. Uh, well, there'll be a page that says if, CJ McCollum is out. What do the projections look like? So I'll look at that and go, hmm, if CJ McCollum's out, 
Uh, I'm assuming Devonta Devonte Graham value goes up. I'm assuming Jose Alvarez may not go enough for you to play, but maybe Devonte Graham's minutes, right, go from 27 to 34, and his usage goes up, and maybe maybe he becomes a very good player. Trey Murphy, maybe he, he could. Maybe uh, Herbert Jones goes. I mean, I don't know. How much does it go up, and what does it look like? And because this is the eight o'clock game today, right? Out of four games. So maybe we don't get the McCollum news until a half an hour before the, until 7.35, like all the games or all the first three games are already locked. We may not get the news. So I want to know how, how I'm going to react. Now, if I see that, like with the Phoenix side on the other side, like Phoenix, we have uh, Cameron Payne, Right at 7K now, which is not the greatest of values. And this is uh, this is FanDuel. Okay, so I'm, I'm I'm looking at FanDuel currently. So worst case scenario, if I do play McCollum and he doesn't play, I could always switch to like Cameron Payne or something like that. I'm leaving money on the table, but whatever. It's not the worst thing in the world. Devin, but if I left money on the day, I could play Devin Booker. So I could do something, maybe. But I would want to find out, like, if he's out, who would benefit? And then based on those numbers, I'm going to look at players at similar positions and pricing at, in the, all the other games. So let's just say, I'm just, I'm just making this up right now, that if McCollum, this is Fandle, by the way, if McCollum is out, it'll rain, Javante Graham will go up, but maybe Trey Murphy comes into the starting lineup. And we'll play maybe 32 minutes at 4K on FanDuel. Okay, so small forward. So I'm going to look at all the other small forwards here. So basically, you know, for Dylan Brooks, currently project, projecting well at small forward. Brooks, Bain, paying up for Butler, Franz Wagner, I guess. Right, Trey Murphy's here right now. So maybe Dylan Brooks, maybe I... I weigh the, the risk. I go, if Trey Murphy's going to project really well, if, I'm just saying if, I don't know. That's why we have a projections team that, that does it for me. Maybe I'd be less inclined to have as much Dylan Brooks in the small forward slot on FanDuel. Now, if we go over to DraftKings and think the same way, let's, let's, go, to, let's go to New Orleans, right? CJ McCollum, right? Trey Murphy's also 5,600 on DraftKings. Right, he's 4K on FanDuel, a little bit different. But that's uh, the same type of assessment. CJ McCollum's 9,400. Who else is in this Phoenix game? Yet Booker is only 200 more. So probably in lineups that have McCollum in it, I'd want to have max 49.8. Just so I, if he's out, I could just swap to, do a straight swap right to Devin Booker, right? Because they're both point guard shooting guard, right? Right? And then I would look at the what-if projections and go, well, who benefits a good enough amount if he's out? What is their position? What is their pricing? And then, then I have to consider looking at the earlier players and go, well, do I, say, do I save a spot for a potential that whatever guy? Or do I use it early? How much, is it, how much am I gaining? Because if it's very similar... Why bother taking the risk, right? If, for instance, on the FanDuel example, 
right? Because of the pricing. If Trey Murphy was projected at a similar point per dollar value or whatever, as Dylan Brooks, if CJ McCollum is out, you're going to get him at better ownership. Yes, that is true. But from a projection standpoint, you're not, you're not losing. And like if you left Murphy in and McCollum plays, your projection will go down. Because you could have played Dylan Brooks in that spot. What's the best case scenario? That Murphy plays and you still have the same projection because he projects the same as Brooks. So that's why I said like it matters on how good the potential value could be. If Trey Murphy is going to project five points better than Dylan Brooks, how much is that extra projection and lower ownership because it's a late swap and people don't do it as much? Is it worth? How much is those five points and 10 percentage points in ownership worth in risk? Now, if you're playing one lineup, you have to, you have to go, how much is, do you want to wait? Well, how much is your, your risk preference? What's your risk preference? I would consider that worth waiting for. But some people are like, I just want to play Dylan Brooks and not have to worry about it. Okay, that's fine also. Perfectly fine. Let's say you're playing 10 lineups. Well, maybe maybe you decide, oh, in two lineups I do, and in two I don't. I mean, you could cut one lineup, eight lineups, all of your lineups. It doesn't matter. It's a risk preference. But it's all related to how much better projected is the new player going to be if the other guy is out comparison to what you could do early. So blindly going in and saying, I don't know what's going to happen late at all. And I'm just going to fade early games. Doesn't seem, that doesn't seem to be the optimal mindset, right? That, that blunt, oh, I'm just going to fade the seven o'clock game because why not? Maybe something happens later. Maybe. Then something happens later and how much of an impact does that make? Like, oh, well, this guy's starting now instead of that guy. And then projections change by one point. I'm glad I waited that long so I could jam that guy into 35% of my lineups. Why? A lot of the times, if you're just going to blindly, by default, wait and go, well, it's a nine-game slate and there's tons of late games. I'm just going to pretty much any any anything that, unless it's great, unless it's the Clippers yesterday, I'm just fading I'm just playing the Clippers and then waiting till 10 o'clock. A lot of times you're missing, you're missing out your, your projected lineups. If you compared them at that point, if nothing happens, maybe significantly worse now because of it. Because you waited for news. So that's really what you should be judging it against. How good of the value could it be? Blindly, blindly waiting is, it, to, to me is, is, is a losing strategy. It's not, it's not going to work. You'd, you're going to end up with lower own lineups, sure, yeah, but also your projection is going to be done 15 to 20 points off of other people. Because if nothing happens, unexpected, right? Dallas is playing late. And you're like, there's nothing on the injury report, but maybe Luca will sit. Like, why, why are you doing that to yourself? Because most of the time, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, look at just plays. And then you're stuck with, well, I left all these spots open for Mavericks. Like, why? Then you have to fill in whatever's left. And then you look, if you compared your lineups now compared to what they were before, 
You're sacrificing 15 points for that late swap opportunity and you're getting nothing in return. Going through the YouTube chat. Daniel Hutchins says, if lots of news coming late in NBA, one thing I've been playing with is taking a portion of my lineups and boosting the projections for late games by 5%. Yeah, well, I mean, you're hacking. You're hacking the system. That's a hack, right? You're basically, you're basically if you if the late games, you're putting 5%, so it's more likely to choose someone from a later game. Not that the projections are accurate, though. That's more of an optimizer hack than, than something scientific. I understand what you're doing. It's like, oh, I'd rather have, you know, when if two guys were equal, right? Two, two, 9K players were, you know, one player is one point higher than the other player. Well, the, and the one that's one point higher is in an early game. It's like, well, all things being equal, I'd rather have the late player because who knows what late news comes out. If we see, if we see that's potential late news, not just out of the blue. I'm talking about it, it's already, people are questionable, people are whatever. Then you go, oh, if I boost all the late games by 5%, like that guy in the late game ends up being projected over the other guy and you get more. Uh, Mike B is asking a question about League of Legends. I re- I really can't answer. Is League of Legends always 4-3 except on a small slate where you do 4-2-1? I'm going to assume it's all about the lineup, but League of Legends is the I what I I think I think the most correlative correlative DFS sport there is. So I, I would I would obviously lean towards five four three lineups, but obviously in the large field contests you have to worry about duplication. I'd much rather play a, a four two one that's unique than a four three that's duplicated twenty six times. So that's that to me that's what legal that's what legal legends is. It's highly correlative, but everyone also knows it's highly correlative. There's only so many combinations on on a on a slate, right? It's it's playing League of Legends is very similar to playing like like two game three game baseball slates, right? Where we all know it's correlative, but it's it's hard, you know, making a five three lineup or four four lineup on Fanduel, you're going to be duplicated on two game slate. It's more likely to just kind of be a little bit more messy, but on a twelve game slate. You don't have to worry about the duplication. There's so many, there's, there's millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of combinations, billions, maybe billions of combinations. League of Legends, a lot of times you get like what, two, three game slate, like not hard. It's not hard to make four threes and whatever quarreling. Oh, let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Daniel Hutchinson says, uh, Better to chat here than to bore my wife to death. Yeah. I don't tell, I, I, I mean, I've been playing for six and a half, six and a half years. I don't explain anything to my wife. And my, my she, 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 could pro, she could probably explain DFS to, to, to new players better than the new players could play DFS, right? She could, pro, she could probably teach my course, the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, Theoryofdfs.com. It's 15 hours long. Feel free to go take it. She could probably explain some of the concepts that people don't. She probably understands it more than some people. But no, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't talk DFS with my wife. 
Other unless unless I'm unless it's a sweat where I'm close, right? So that the MMA on on Saturday she, Saturday she hates MMA. She absolutely hates it, right? She can't stand on Saturdays. It's like oh, you're spending six hours to watch MMA because I, I enjoy watching it also. She hates it until until you win a lot of money and then then it's okay. <laughs> That's the way it is, right? She doesn't like football. She doesn't like NFL. So like Sundays, it's like, oh, football. It's like, yeah, but uh, uh, $50,000. Oh, okay, go go ahead, right? As, lo- as long as you're winning money, watch whatever the hell you want, right? So, but but it's the sweat type of aspect. So like I'm watching MMA, watching UFC this, this past week on Saturday. And I see going into the last fight that like, as long as I could dodge it looks like I could dodge like 119 points from Ankaliyev or like 86 from Santos or something. I'm gonna have a very nice day. If I could make, if I could get Ankaliyev under 90, I could have a really nice day, and that's what ended up happening. So basically, I she came in on the couch or whatever, and I'm watching. She was in the recliner or something, whatever. Right? And we would because it, it also wasn't these pay per view cards that go on until one in the morning. So this is like it's like 9:15. And she wants to watch something, right? She's like, you know, what are we going to, you know, some, put something, something that's not two people beating the crap out of each other on TV. Uh, and I said, no, there's only one more fight left. And, and I, it could be a, a good amount of money. And you go, really? And that, that's the only time that, that, that it matters. So basically I told her, I said, in this last fight, we're rooting for them to stare at each other, right? I don't want this guy to wrestle. He's the $9,600 main event favorite that's 45% owned. Right. I got I have to have him score low. I want him to win, but just low. So I don't want him to wrestle. If he, he's starting to grapple, we're rooting against that. We want them to just basically stare at each other and punch once in a blue moon. And that's what we rooted for. Not like screamed or anything, but I'm just sitting there and that, that's pretty much what happened. That whole fight was pretty much a staring contest. You know, with like two significant strikes a minute at best. So like, but once the first round was over, it's like, okay, beautiful round. So I'm still not in the clear, still not in the clear. Second round was the same thing. By the time the second round's over, both fighters have still have like under 10 points. So I'm like, I think I'm good, right? Barring Sunday, you know, so a third. Now, and now at this point, I'm saying it's the third round. I don't mind if Ankaliyev KOs him, right? Because if he, if he just wins right now in the beginning of the third round, he's not going to score 90 points anyway. So why not just end it now? Right. And Santos barely has any points either. Right. But he's the underdog. So like I can get killed by an 85 point, 86 point him with a victory, which you probably wouldn't get in the third round either. So it's like, I don't care if the fight ends now. And then they just stared at each other for another third round. So I'm like, I'm good. Right. You got to wait for the whole thing to update. Right. Whatever. And then there you go. Thirty five thousand dollars. And then now, now she's fine. And then I got the DraftKings. A crown reward. They had a they had a whole promo for whatever whatever level you're at, and then you just put something in your wish list or something in their dynasty store. Then I got an email that says you could you could spend up to three hundred thousand crowns in their dynasty store for nothing. So you know what I did? I gave it to that my, my wife. It's like there you go. Go look at any any item in the dynasty store you want for 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 three hundred thousand crowns or less. Now, of course, I, I poked her and said, 
let it be close to 300,000 crowns. There are some that are like, oh, you could get a pencil set for a thousand crowns. Like, don't, don't waste our free gift on that. And then, and then she, she was, she's been looking to get a sublimation printer or some type of photo, photo, HD photo print. And they had one. So she was, she was thrilled. She loves UFC now, right? When, when is the next time MMA is going to be on, right? That's the first rule of DFS. I've, I've taught this. It's on my YouTube channel. It's one of the first videos I've ever done. Ever done. Periscopes, whatever. This is, I don't know, four and a half years ago, five years ago. The first rule of DFS is when you win a decent amount the first time you bribe your significant other. That is the first rule of DFS. That is the most positive expected value move you can make in your entire life playing DFS. You win a decent amount, whatever a decent amount is to you. If you're only playing 20 bucks, 30 bucks a day, and you win $1,000, get a $100 gift, right? A nice dinner out, some, something something that shows that all the time that you're putting into, she gets a reward too, or he gets a reward, right? Significant other could be anything, he, she, him, whatever pronoun, whatever it is. An adamant object, your goat, whatever you're in love with, whoever, whoever is, whoever is nagging you for why you're spending so much time making lineups, right? And watching sports or whatever. So you do that. Then the next time and two months later, oh, you win some, you win some more. Okay. There's a little gift, a little nibble, right? And you think it's like, well, that's coming out of, that's coming out of your ROI. That's not in your roto tracker, you know, the, the 3% wife bribe commission. But not having someone saying, why are you spending so much time in your office is worth it because then you're not going to play well. Okay. It's worth it. That's the cost of doing business. Right. In 2008, uh, 2018, I had a great 2018, almost $200,000 that year. So, you know what we did in 2019? We went on a cruise to Hawaii for three weeks. Right. Because my wife has always wanted to go to Hawaii. But there we did it. Now, shut up. I'm building my life. That's what you need to do. That's the first rule of DFS. If you have, if you don't do that, you, 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 unless you're single, if you're single, but even how do you have a relationship? You're gonna, you know, you're gonna end up having a girlfriend or some boyfriend or whatever, a goat friend, whatever. I'm just, I'm using bare basic terminologies. I'm not like against any any other type of relationship. Pansexual, you're you're multi monogamous. You have 17 wives, including a goat. I have no idea. Whoever that is. It's hard to have one when it's like, well, what are we going to do tonight? Well, from seven to 10, I got to stick on my computer because I have to make NBA lineups. And then, then we can do whatever you want. Like that gets old to people. All right. Daniel Hudson says he did the same exact thing. I think we're getting AirPod Pros. Right. Uh, Masher says, uh, you said you're hesitant to late swap in NBA because it messes up your ownership. When late swapping, you usually go with the best projected lineup. How much of a point game do you need to afford your late swap? Now, I'm late swapping a ton of lineups at once. It messes, it doesn't mess up your ownership. It's just that you now you have to, you have to estimate what the ownership change is going to be. This guy's out and this guy's in. Okay. How does that affect what's already out? So it's like, you can't just say, well, uh, LeBron's out and Malik Monk goes from 2% on to what? To what? What does Westbrook go? I don't know. 
So I'm, est- I'm still estimating it. I'm still doing that. But I'm kind of flying blind. Because then also LeBron being out, he's in a small forward position. Are there what other small forwards that are available left? So their ownership starts going up. So you have to make a whole bunch of tweets. And a lot of times you're doing that in a span of like four minutes. So I'm just estimating. That's the main pro- that's the main problem. Like my estimates for that are going to be much more off. Because I also have to go, what would it be if this was before lock? And what would it be? How many people are paying attention enough? So it's like, oh, people should be swapping out this for that. But maybe half the people don't. And you still end up like LeBron's out. And then you see he's still 4% owned. Like he went from 18% ownership that I had projected. And now I look and it's locked. And still 4% of lineups have him in because 4% of lineups for, just didn't swap him out. He's out and they forgot. I don't know how, how much of the field is going to do that. So to me, that that's that's the difficult move. And a lot of times, if the late news is worthwhile enough where we get projected players that are really good, proje- really good projection, I don't care about that anymore. I pretty much uh, unrelaxed build rules. I just try to jam them in as much as possible. Just a completely blunt force, just like this guy's out and this guy now projects for 10x. Just put him in as many lineups as possible. I don't care what the total ownership is. I don't care what the, I don't care what anything is. Just get this guy in as, as, as many lineups as he could physically possibly get in, get into. I don't care what other slots are in the rain. Fill out the lineup in whatever way for the highest projection. And I'm fine because I know that guy that I'm jamming in is going to end up being like 54% on when he should be 80% on. Right. Or maybe it'll be less than that. It'll be 20% owned when he should be 70% owned. So it's like that guy provides so much relative value that it just like, now I don't care about that. All the other things are, are, are not as important anymore than to get so many more projected points for so little amount of ownership that it'll, it'll work in literally every line. So I don't, I, at that point, I really don't even care. Uh, okay. Mike B says you could just be single and save money. No, my, my wife works and she provides that she provides the health insurance. It's plus EV. It's plus EV. Unless you don't find relationships plus EV. I don't know. Okay. Oh, we've gone long enough. We've gone long enough. We've come to the end. We got a four game slate later today. Seven, seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock. We've got the Grinders Live uh, 445, 445, I think. Is that the normal, regular time now? 445 p.m. Eastern, and then crunch time at 620. These weird times. Why can't we just do five and six? Why can't we just do five and six? What's so hard? Five and 615, I don't know. 445 and 620, right? So tune into that. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when all those shows go live, right? The Scores and Odds YouTube channel. Uh, Grant has a show on there at 2 o'clock Eastern. Give me those thummy thumbs. Give me those thummy thumbs on your way out the door. And if you want to learn more about these, the concepts that I talk about, get the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass that you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. And uh, I'll I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow.
I'll see you tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions as always on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. Thank you.